So we're, we're, tonight we're going to finish up. We've been in 1 Thessalonians for a while, 5th chapter. And uh, we're, we're on the three, three verses, 16, 17, and 18, that says, Rejoice forevermore, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So the first sheet that's, that's on the top there was just a kind of an overview um, of staying in prayer and singing a new song. And then the second sheet, uh, which is staying in prayer too, looks like this. And it talked about ways that we could stay in prayer, worship, praise, testimonies, and witnessing. So ways that we could stay in prayer is, uh, was number two. Because we we're talking about pray without ceasing. And so if you're going to pray without ceasing, then you kind of got to have a, a pattern maybe to help us. The third thing we've talked about for several weeks now is um, verbalized prayers that we can pray throughout the day. And we talked about these are types of prayers. And uh, one of them is a prayer of adoration, which is a prayer from God, from me to God about God, saying how I praise God or worship God or you're beautiful or or whatever, you know, just a, a prayer of adoration toward God. The second one was a prayer of communication, which is a prayer from me to God and God to me. So this is a, a conversational prayer, if you would. Last week we talked about a prayer of intercession, and that is a prayer from God, from me to God about someone else. And that's what Nancy was talking about is the prayer of intercession. Um, and so we talked about how our prayers... In the book of Revelation, it talks about how our prayers go up as incense into the very king, throne room of God and how they're collected. Those prayers are collected. Roman, Revelation 5 and Revelation 8 talk about those prayers being collected. And whenever there's, whenever they, there's enough of them, and I don't, know, I don't know how God determines when there's enough. I'm not sure how he does that. And, and it's probably none of my business. But whenever he gets to the point that he that it's enough, where the, the I mean, he told uh, last week we talked about Belshazzar, where where the handwriting was on the wall, and he told him he was weighed in the balance and he was found wanting. So he didn't he didn't tip the scale in his favor. <laughs> he tipped the scale against himself. So whenever those prayers and incense tip the scale, I'm not sure how that all works, but God knows how it works. And when it tips the scale, then the Bible says that the the prayers of the incense are added with with uh, ashes and coals from off the censer and they're thrown into the earth and then once those things are thrown into the earth the Bible talks about that then there's action there's thunderings and lightnings and voices and, and action there's things that begin to happen things in the heavenlies that are cast down into the earth and they begin to happen and we talked about last week in a prayer of intercession that you know whenever you've reached the throne room of God because you feel you feel that you, you know you know when the when you've reached heaven, you know when your prayer has broken. Because the devil's called the prince of the power of the air, right? And so our prayers have to go past that. It's, it's got to get through that. And then, you know, the Lord's trying to, brother, the a pastor, lots of years ago, brother Hendricks pastored first assembly, and he talked about heaven and earth. Heaven and earth got together and kissed, and I got caught up in the smack. That's what he used to say. Heaven and earth kissed and I got caught up in the smack. And so that's, that's kind of how I think about it, whether it's right or wrong, and I don't know, but, but it's kind of how I think about them. My prayers are going up. Heaven's, heaven's answer's coming down. 
and as soon as as soon as we break through, then then the answer's there. And so, that's the prayer of intercession, uh, and prayers of intercession are necessary. You know, I know there was a thing a long time ago where you just prayed one time and you didn't ever have to pray about it again. And and uh, you know that I think that whenever you touch heaven, that's probably true. You don't need to keep asking God when God's given you the assurance that just like tonight. I mean, how many time, how many messages did we hear from the Lord tonight that said the answer's here? The answer's on. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna be. You know, you know, you don't need to get up in the morning and start praying about it again. Oh God, are you please God? Are you really God? You know, when He's answered the prayer. When you feel the prayer wheel turning and you know the fire's burning, then your prayer goes from faith to hope, right? You're no longer saying, God, will you? Because God has excited something in your soul, either through uh, something you felt or something that's been said tonight or something's excited in your soul and you're no longer saying, God, will you? Now you're saying, God, I thank you that you have. So now, you, now, you've, now you're like the kid on Christmas, you're just, you're just waiting for, the, for, for them to say go so you can open the present. The present's there. You see it. You know it's there. You know God's answered. You know the answer's on the way. You know the, it's there. All you're waiting for is that little small sliver of time between faith and hope whenever hope becomes sight, whenever faith becomes sight, and you begin to see the very things that you've been praying for coming to pass. And so th there's a moment there whenever your prayer goes from God, will you to God, I thank you that you have. And you've got to make that transition, right? Because faith without works is dead. So there's got to be a moment when you make the transition um, from, from faith to works because works says, I know that you have, right? So there's, there's that moment. So the last one, uh, if you're keeping up here, the last one is a prayer petition. And the prayer petition is a prayer from me to God for me. This is the one everybody knows. This is the one everybody prays. Because everybody, everybody, everybody the, I, I heard a survey one time, and I've told you it a thousand times. I heard a survey one time that said 70% of Americans say they pray on a daily basis. And all I'm saying is if 70% of Americans are praying, man, we should be having some kind of revival. But the problem is, is that they're, they're praying, oh, God, get me to work. <laughs> oh, God, help me to get a new car. Praying, praying for the wrong things, you know. Pray, God, get me out of this mess I'm in. God, don't let me go to jail. <laughs> These are the kind of prayers. Prayers of petitions. They're prayers to God from me about me. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, there, there, there are times when we need to pray for ourselves. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. You know, there's, there's times whenever we pray for, to God about myself, asking God to meet a need, asking God to, to prosper me, asking God to give me a right mind, asking God to put me in the right position, asking God to give me direction, asking God to, to help me make good decisions. So there are, there are times whenever we pray for ourselves, and that prayer is called a prayer petition. So adoration, um, communication, intercession, and petition are four types of prayers that you can pray anytime all day long. Any time of the day, you can utter a prayer to the Lord, just give him praise. Any time of the day, you can pray, you can intercede, you can, you know, you can pray, pray in the spirit. You can be, you can be out there fitting pipe, pulling up bolts on a gasket and praying in the spirit. I mean, you don't have to be loud, lift your hands and shout and spit all over everybody. 
could just do it quietly, praying in the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit move you and touch you and minister to you. And, you know, you can do those things. Okay. God, God will put us. Yes, He will. He will. He's more likely to do it if the ground is plowed a little bit. So uh, let's, let's look at the fourth one. Anybody have any questions or comments? Everybody good with this? Understand? Do I need to? So I take it by no, by no comments that you're buying everything I'm saying, selling. All right. All right. I like that. That's good. So tonight we're going to end this and we're going to talk about in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. We're going, to, we're going to focus on that, but I want, to, I want to add something as we're starting. It says, the rest of it says, for this is the will of God. Right? Is that what your Bible says? For this is the will of God. Um, I wanted to focus on and everything give thanks, but in my study today, I came across this word will and the will of God. And what I discovered from that word is that word in the original context, in the way that it is written, it's, you know, words and sentences have things like past imperative and all these kind of fancy words that I don't know what they mean, but I have a book in there that tells me what they mean. And this particular word, the wheel, in the position that it is, in the, in the Greek syntax that it's in, it, it means it's a requirement. It's not just this is the will of God. It's the will of God in that it's a requirement. That impressed me. I said, whoa, it's a little more serious than just will. It's a requirement. So if you want, if you want to see prayers answered, if you want to see things begin to move, if you want to speak to mountains and see them move, if you want to see the things of God that you have asked the Lord for, then you've got to learn to give thanks in everything. Because if you learn to give thanks in everything, then you begin to put the will of God into action because it's a requirement. It's a requirement. So with that in mind tonight, let's look at the sheet that has number four on the top of it. And it says, in every circumstance, in joy and sorrow for everything, for prosperity and for adversity, in every place, in the house of God and on the bed of sickness, Christians should not only be engaged in constant prayer, but in constant thanksgiving. Indeed, their prayers should partake largely of the nature of thanksgiving, and that commentary is from the pulpit commentary. No matter what state or condition we find ourselves in, we must learn to give thanks to God in that position. To give thanks to God, whether you're in, in prosperity or in adversity. What did Paul say? He said, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I'm in. And Texas is still a state. If I was going to be a smarty pants, I'd say he didn't write that about Louisiana. But Texas is still a state. <laughs> and we must learn to be content and give God thanks. Whether we've just had our back beaten and we're stuck in the inner, inner parts of a prison or whether we're prosperous and the Lord is blessing us and we're having revivals and people are getting saved. You know, if you can't be thankful about, about being able to come to church tonight, you say, well, you know, it'd be nice if there was more of us. Well, okay, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, all God needs is he said two or three. 
and I'm one, and Jesus is two, and the Holy Spirit's three, so really if I'm there by myself, that's good. But I got Barbara and Kathy, so I know we're good. <laughs> but, it, you know, we had VBS this year. I don't need to get too far into this, but we had VBS this year, and I heard myself say, I heard my because usually our VBS is run between 60 and 80 kids, you know. I heard myself say, man, we only had 44 kids this, this, this year. Our maximum was 48, but we averaged about 44 a night. And our offering was like $600, I think it was, total. Last year it was like 15. This year's like six. And I heard myself say, man, we only had 44 kids this year, and man, we only had $600. And man, I, uh, the, the, about the second or third time I said that, I started feeling convicted. I shouldn't say we only had 44 kids. I should say, praise God, there was 44 here. I shouldn't say we only had $600. I should say, praise God, $600 came in. Hallelujah. You know, there's people all around the world that, that wish, wish they could get together and, have, and just have church, just be able to come together. They can't even come together. They're clapping like this because they don't want to make any noise. They don't want to bring any attention. And praise God, we get to meet here in, in broad open. Stephen even prayed tonight. Thank you, God, that we're in a nation where we can worship freely. You say, well, yeah, but, 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 but look at around us. Look at the shape of our nation. Look at the shape of us. We're here. We have an opportunity to worship God. Give thanks for what you got. Give thanks for what you got. Amen. You're sitting in an air-conditioned building. There's, there's electric lights on. We're not out underneath a tree trying to keep ourselves cool tonight. We, we, Nancy's back there wearing a blanket. Praise God. Glory to God. It's, it's a good thing. It's praise God for it, you know. We got to learn to give thanks in everything, no matter what state we find ourselves in. The, the word everything in that sentence is the word pause. Most of the time, that word pause is interpreted at all because the word means all, any, Everything, every, whatsoever, whosoever. So it's all, in everything, in all things, no matter what it is. In everything, you're gonna, we're going to give thanks. The word thanks is the word ecuristio, easy for me to say. It's the good response or reception by that which is undeserving. To be thankful, to thank, and to be grateful by that which is undeserving. We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve his mercy. We really don't deserve his continual forgiveness. But he gives it to us. And so we should be grateful and thankful that God is merciful, that he is gracious, that he saved us, that he redeemed us, that he bought us. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. Hallelujah. We should, that should be enough. You know, Sunday morning, uh, uh, the Lord just overwhelmed me with the concept that no matter what place I'm in, God should be enough. It's not God in shoes. It's not God in clothes. It's not God in cars. It's not, it's not, it's, it's no matter what state I find myself in, God should be enough because he gave me himself. <laughs> Just the feeling of being free. Just the feeling of coming in here and knowing that I'm not bound by this world, and I'm not a part of this world. That should be enough for me to give thanks. And so to give thanks is the good response or reception by that which is undeserving. I like what um, 
The, the biblical illustrator, I, I went in there and read this to Sarah today. I said, I've never seen so many big words in one sentence. Some of these words, are, I had to interpret them because I didn't think they were English, but they are. It says, some Christians are not eminent for thankfulness. Selfishness causes some to think that the withholding of good and perfect gifts by God as personal injury. Some are remarkable in their peevishness. Dexterous, that means done something done with mental and physical steel, skill, so they are skillful in detecting flaws. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Skillful in detecting flaws. Wearisome in fault finding. If a house be commodious, that means comfortable or conveniently spacious, the situation is bad. In other words, if you're in a, you know, nice house in a good position in a nice place, but somehow it's just not right. Just, just not right. You know, there's a spider web up there on top of that cross and I don't know why they can't get that down. I have watched that for three weeks now and I don't know why they can't get that down. Situation's bad. If a friend's kind, he doesn't, he doesn't see you often enough. <laughs> if a book be good, there's a word or two that you don't like. They are surrounded by blessings, but do not perceive from whom they have issued. Always finding fault. We in America spend a lot of time complaining when we live in the greatest economy in the world. We spend a lot of time complaining whenever we have more of everything. And you say, well, everybody don't. Well, but everybody, they have better than most. If you got running water, you're better than half the world. You've got people going to Nepal all the time trying to teach them how to drill water wells so they can have running water. So, I mean, we live in a great country, and, and for us to be surrounded by blessings and to complain and, and constantly find fault, I, I've told you this story, and I wasn't going to tell it again, but it keeps going over and over and over in my mind, so I'm going to tell it one more time. In 2009... I, I was praying, and, and the Lord dropped in my heart that, that I, I, I wanted a new truck. I, had, I was driving a 1980-something Mazda, I mean Mazda, one of those little small single cab, little small compact trucks, which had been great. I enjoyed it. I, I loved it. It was no problem. But the Lord laid on my heart that, you know, it was time to get a new truck. But, and it didn't have an air conditioner. I didn't mind. Nobody ever asked to ride with me, so it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the Lord laid on my heart to, to buy a new vehicle. So, but he told me I, not, not to borrow more than $22,000. The reason why he told me that, I found out later, was because I was going to go full-time in the ministry in a couple of years, and I wouldn't be able, that's all the money I could have afford to pay and get it paid for before it was time to go full-time in the ministry. But I didn't know that at the time. So I bought this truck. It was a great deal on the truck. They, they gave me a great deal. God worked it out, and I bought this extended cab GMC truck that had the 4.8 liter engine in it. Well, I wanted the Texas edition 5.3, but I couldn't get that down to 22,000, so I ended up with this truck. And it's, it was a great truck. I didn't have any problems with it. It was all fine. The guy that worked under me, his name was Wendell, me and him parked side by side. And I bought that new truck, and I'll be it two weeks later. He didn't buy the exact same color truck, except he bought the GMC Texas edition. So every day I got out of that truck, and I looked at what I wanted 
and I got out of what I bought. And it wasn't but just a little while, and that blessing that God had blessed me with started becoming a curse because I was complaining about, well, I didn't get the 5.3 liter engine, and I didn't get the leather seats, and, and I didn't get this, and I didn't get that. And, it, and suddenly I found myself complaining about the very thing God, I had an air conditioner, never had that before, but I couldn't find anything to be happy about. And one day I realized that I was taking a blessing of God and I was turning it into a curse because God had blessed me with that truck. I'd got a great deal on that truck. He had, I had the, I had the, the, I, had the, I had the, I got, I got a lot of money down from off a credit card that we've been using. They, they gave me like $4,000 money from off a credit card. Plus I, I traded something in and, and you know, I, I, my, my notes were low. And, and, but instead of being happy that God had blessed me with this nice truck, with a nice air conditioner, brand new truck, instead of being happy about it, I said, well, yeah, but I wanted, but I wanted, but I wanted. And you can turn God's blessing into a curse by complaining about what you don't have or perceive to not have instead of being thankful for what you do have. And if I'm going to get through with this tonight, I got to get on. Romans chapter 8. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. You can be in the best. I, I heard somebody say, well, yeah, but that church is not perfect. And I heard somebody else say, well, if it is, don't you join it. <laughs> Moving right along. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that pause, all, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's keep reading. For those whom he did foreknow, them he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestinated, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us. If you can't figure out anything else to be thankful for, you should be thankful that God's for you. God's for you. You can go through the valley of the shadow of death because God is for you. You can go through bankruptcy if you have to because God is for you. You can buy a truck that, that God wants you to have because God is for you. You can, you can make it through life. You can go to the hospital because God is for you. You can find places to thank God because you know that God is for me. And if God be for me, then what, what weapon of the devil can be against me? What weapon can win? And he goes on to say, he goes on to name a bunch of weapons, shall tribulation or persecution or stress or nakedness or famine or peril or sword, shall those separate you from the love of God? And then he says, no, we are more than conquerors through all these things. And so if God be for me, who can be against me? And I added a little bit there where I said, because God is enough. Turn with, if you would, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter's in the back of your Bible, right before 2 Peter. Right after James, if you're not sure where it's at, go to Revelation, come back a few books, 3 Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter. 
So let's go to 1 Peter. And I want to, I want to read this passage to you. It's a long passage, but I, I want you to listen to it. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith and to salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherefore ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So what's the condition of these people right now that he's writing to? They're in manifold temptations. They're having some persecution. They're having some trouble. What would you say? Yeah, they're in, they're in, they're in, they're having, they're not, it's, it's not happy days or here again. They're in manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto what? Praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, ye, yet believing, you rejoice how? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. You want to confuse the devil? Shout when you're in trouble. Shout when you're in manifold temptations. Give God praise and do a little dance in the kitchen. Swing your dish towel around. Get water all over everything. Just praising the Lord and worshiping God because this too shall pass. Why? Because everything works together for good to those who are in Christ Jesus. Everything. All things. All things. Pause. All things. Same word. Receiving the end of your, even your, the end of your faith. How far am I going? Nine. Refe receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So we can find, we can give God thanks. We can praise him. And I wrote down just a few little examples tonight. Philippians 1, verse 12 through 18. So if you're in 1 Peter, turn back toward the front and you'll get to the, uh, the prison epistles. Um, Philippians is the last of the prison epistles. Ephesians, Colossians are both prison epistles. And then you come to Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. All three are prison epistles. Uh, Philippians is the last one. Paul's been in jail in Jerusalem for three years. Then he got transferred to Rome. You remember what happened on his way to Rome? Got shipwrecked. And spent, spent some time there in the water. Got off the boat in the island of Melita. Had to wait a little while for another boat to come along. Then he ended up in Rome. Once he was in Rome, he's in there for two years. And while he's in Rome, I, I, I wrote down something here I want you to listen to. Uh, while, while he was in Rome, Rome was becoming increasingly unstable. The Caesar at this time was Nero. Um, and Nero became increasingly unstable, and therefore Rome became increasingly unstable and violent. Common, calming voices such as Burrus and Seneca uh, were replaced with ruthless and violent men. Poisoning and murders were common. These events called Paul to doubt his outcome. In spite of this uncertainty, Paul writes his joyous epistle to the Philippians. He says in verse 20 and 21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
But if, but if I live in the flesh, there is the fruit of my labor. Yeah, uh, it's 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be in shame with all boldness as always, so now also Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So he's been in jail two years. When he first wrote, he said, I'm sure I'll be freed soon. Now at the end of two years, he's saying, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. I'm not sure now because Rome's become violent. But here's what Paul writes in the midst of that. In, in verse 12 he says, But I would you understand, brother, that the things that happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that in my bonds in Christ are manifest all, place, all the palace and in all places, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add afflictions to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, listen to this, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I do therefore rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice. You've been in jail five years, Paul. But Paul says the gospel's being preached. People are waxing strong, and I will rejoice in that. Hallelujah. I just felt Holy Ghost things going all up and down. Praise God. You can find a reason to rejoice. Let me, let's quickly go over to Job. If anybody should not rejoice, it should be Job. As you well know, Job lost everything in just a matter of hours. Uh, Finest Dakes says that the, the amount of things in livestock alone that Job lost was over $790,000 in one hour. And then he lost all his family. So he lost his whole fortune in, one, in just a short period of time. And whenever, whenever he lost it, we find him saying in Job, the first chapter, the 20th verse, it says... Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. So I want you to, first thing I want you to see is Job was not a robot. He was a man that had feelings. He felt every pain. He lost his kids. He lost his livestock. He lost his servants. He lost it all. And he, he did exactly what you or I would have done. He fell down upon his, he, he showed all the signs of grieving. He rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down on the ground. But the difference was, instead of complaining about everything he lost, the Bible says he worshipped. He worshipped. And he said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, and Job didn't know it, because he hadn't written the book yet. But we know it, is that nothing came to Job that didn't first pass through God's hands. Everything that comes to you and everything that comes to me is first tempered and timed by a heavenly father who is for me and not against me. And he tempers it and times it so that I can rejoice my way through it. It may seem at times just being overwhelming. It may seem at times that it's bigger than you could stand. It may seem the times that the stress level and the, the pain and the suffering and everything that's happening, it may seem stronger and more difficult than you can ever endure. It may seem impossible for you to see a way out of it, but that possibility is made through worship. 
It's made through being thankful. I came into this place, you know, I heard people used to say, well, I was looking for a job when I found this one. You know, you're going to get fired. I was looking for a job when I found this one. You know, that's, it may be a little smarty, but it's, it's kind of a good attitude, you know. Doing what's right. Following what the Lord says, you know. Doing, doing a good thing, you know. And if you lose it all, well, I, ha I lost it all before. You know, being thankful. Being, not, not if you lose it for something dumb, but I mean if you lose, if, if you lose it as a, as a, as a trial, if, if, like, just like Job. Because you, you know what? That, that it came through God's hands first, and you know that God has tempered it and timed it so that you can find a place to be thankful in it. Um, Job reacted to the disasters with deep grief, yet showed an unusual humility as he submitted to God and continued to worship him in spite of the tragedy. Continue to worship him in spite of the tragedy. I personally had a tremendous burden lifted off of me one time by surrendering my son and telling God that even if I lost him, I would continue to worship him and I would continue to serve him and I would continue to love him and I would be thankful for the 16 years that I had with my boy. When I uttered those words from my heart, all the, all the difficulties of dreams and troubles and pressure that I felt instantly left me, instantly left me and never returned again. Lastly tonight, um, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. One more thing here tonight before we end this study. In everything give thanks. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. 2 Corinthians 11 is a passage that you all, everybody, everybody has heard. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm not going to read all this, but I'm going to read the portion of it I, I want to focus on. Verse 22, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 22, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often of the Jews. Five times received I 30, 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and day I spent in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in wickedness, in painfulness, in watchings, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings, in cold, in nakedness, besides <laughs> those things that are without, which come upon me daily, the care of the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must need glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. Hop over real quick to verse 9 of chapter 12. He says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You can be thankful through a hard time. You can praise God in difficult circumstances. You can be thankful for what God's doing because whenever you're weak, then he's strong. Then he's strong. It's 825, so if I could get Rachel to head back to the back. Is, is Hannah going to be baptized too? Okay.
So um, if I could get a couple of you guys just to slide this back and over, we're going to have a baptism tonight. That's why I didn't want to slide it. <laughs> Kathy, could I get you to come back here and help me, please? To get, I need to get somebody to uh, go find Hannah. She's with the youth. Would you do that for me, please? So. You know, it's kind of funny when I, I my mind, I, I think silly things sometimes. And whenever I come back here, because I always have to move these curtains, I always think about the Wizard of Oz where the, where the rip wizard says, don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtains. <laughs> Isn't that silly? Oh, goodness. Do what now? <laughs> So Rachel is uh, changing clothes. She'll be here in just a second. I should have turned my mic off so you wouldn't hear all that stumbling around, huh? <laughs> so she should be here in just a second. All right. You hope it's warm? Watch your head or we'll be taking we'll be going to the hospital next. You're getting baptized first, though, even if you're bleeding. <laughs> All right. Just kind of turn around there and face everybody. This is Rachel Grace. Yay. Give her a hand, would you please? Amen. She wanted to follow the Lord in water baptism, and so do you have anything you'd like to say before you're baptized? Don't drown me. Don't drown you. <laughs> I hadn't lost anybody yet. Just sit down right there. On that little ledge, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's warm. Okay, put, put your hands. 
So are you going to follow the Lord all the days of your life? And upon your profession of faith in Christ Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 There's one in the thing right there. Amen. 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 I usually tell them don't touch this microphone or <laughs> while you're in the water. Come on up, Anna. Watch your head. No, I don't think so. All right. Hmm? This is Hannah Morin. If y'all give her a hand tonight. Hannah's going to follow the Lord in water baptism tonight. Do you have anything you want to say before I baptize you? No. You know, I've never had a taker on that. Hardly ever. So, Hannah, is it your intention to follow the Lord all the days of your life? Then upon your profession of faith in that name, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Watch your head. All right. Watch your head. Okay. So stand with me tonight if you would. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God for the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We're having a hallelujah time back here. You can't see it, but we're having one. So I just praise God for the power of the Holy Spirit. I praise God that this is not a formality. This is not just something we do. This is the power of God unto salvation. I know, I know you're saved before you come in this pool. I know, you, I know you are. But God gives us a picture of what happens as we go in death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And so we just praise God tonight. So, Heavenly Father, thank you, Almighty God, for your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise God for your presence, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you sealed this event tonight, O oh God, with the glory of the Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, as we follow you in obedience. We thank you, Lord God, for the great things that you're doing in our lives, O oh God. And now we pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, lead us and guide us and direct us, Almighty God, as we go throughout this week, Lord, and let the glory of the Lord fill every, every crevice, every port of our life, O oh God. And, Lord God, may we learn that whatever state we find ourselves in to be able to give thanks, O oh God, and to thank you, Lord God, because if God be for me, who can be against me? And we praise you for tonight in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. We'll see